Welcome to episode three of our Inside EWCSD podcast. My name is Mark Patterson, your host. On today's show, we are going to be talking to the other half of our broad course of study team, our STEM team, and our PE team about the enrichment opportunities offered to our students throughout the instructional day. But before we get started with that, we need to be able to go through our lovely reminders Next month, we are going to be focusing our podcasts on providing information and resources to our community around bullying prevention, as well as highlighting some amazing programs that we have to be able to support our students with special needs during Learning Disabilities Awareness Month. A couple of shout outs that we are very proud of. We had 13 of our schools recognized as silver status with positive behavior interventions and supports, also known as PBIS, as well as one school that was recognized as bronze. And if you haven't heard yet, both Leffingwell Elementary and Ocean View Elementary received recognition for being national blue ribbon schools. There were only 33 schools in the state of California who received this recognition, so we are looking forward to celebrating that success. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started with our broad course of study conversation with our PE and STEAM team. I'm excited to be joined by our PE guru, Matt Schrock, as well as our STEM innovator, Megan Watson. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what those programs look like across our district. And just to give you a reminder, um, our broad course of study really is focused on making sure that our students have enrichment opportunities as part of the core instruction. So We don't want those to be optional opportunities after school. We want those opportunities in art, music, PE, and STEM to be experienced by every one of our elementary students throughout the day. So we're going to just jump right in here. So Mr. Schrock, you're going to go first. I prefer uh, Guru Schrock now. Okay, Guru Schrock, despite the fact that you're wearing an angel's hat, we'll go ahead and... uh, Excuse that for now. I'm getting ready for next year. You know what? That's what they usually do at um, the halfway point anyway. One of the first questions I was asked when I was being hired as the superintendent was, what is your favorite team? Because one board member prefers the Dodgers and one prefers the Angels. And my response was, well, my favorite American League team is the Angels and my favorite National League team is the Dodgers. There you go. So politician at its best. Okay, so with that out of the way, um, can you just give us a little bit um, of a background of yourself and what brought you here to EWCSD? So this is my uh, seventh year teaching elementary PE. Um, I used to teach down in South County, South County at a private school. So I moved, transitioned to uh, public school and it's just nice being a lot closer to the to my home. And then being in the public school is just, it's a different ballgame, but I, I love it. It's different. Uh, yeah, just different game. Yeah, and it's not it's not always the case to be able to have the opportunity to teach PE at elementary short of recess. So we're really excited to be able to have you focusing on PE for our elementary students. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. So a little bit about myself, I guess. I started at community college, started with, uh, I wanted to be an accountant. Then I got a D in my first accounting 101, so I realized that's not for me. And then I started looking at uh, different, different uh, majors, and I saw kinesiology. I'm like, I got to take these classes. Like this sounds great. I got to teach volleyball and all the fun sports team games. So easily, easily made that decision. I think I think I made the right choice. Well, and you also made the right choice coming to EWCSD, obviously. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, what is your philosophy around teaching PE? 
Yeah, so my goal is to get the students moving as quickly as possible, get into class. So normal like 40, 45 minutes for me is like five minute intro and then 40, 45 minutes or whatever the time is, playing games, moving around and doing all that. And then we recap at the end, we go over what was something we learned or strategy or something along those lines. So the unique thing about all of our broad course of study teams is the fact that you're teaching kindergarten through fifth grade. Many of those every single one of those days when you're on one of our different campuses. So what does that look like, the difference between teaching a kindergarten physical education and a fifth grader? Yeah, so ki- kinder is a different ball game. They're young. They're still squirrely. They're just excited. So I think kinder and first, we mainly focus on like learning how our body works and how it moves and not running into each other, running into objects or tripping on a line. But So that's kind of what our games focus on for kinder and first. Then second and third is more just intro to uh, like sports. And then fourth and fifth is really trying to develop that intro of what we've gone over and uh, progress in those certain skills. So, you know, we see all the time with our professional athletes, you know, sometimes having social skill issues and the ability to work cooperatively. So how do you embed that whole idea of sportsmanship and working collaboratively with our elementary kids? Yeah, so our first time with um, going, meeting each class, I kind of go over my rules, expectations, and my goal is to create an environment that we're a team. We're a group. We're not going against each other. I tell them, look around. Hey, do you, do you see any athletes do you see anyone like recruiting for the olympics for rock paper scissors game we're playing and they say no obviously so i'm like this is a place we it's an environment we can come try new things and no one's gonna laugh at you at class in class so that's kind of my goal is to make sure we, we're all on the same team and once we all get better at those skills our competition and our our games will just be that much not that much better so I think that's one of the key takeaways is so how do you help foster that idea of a student who maybe not into their their you know, eye-hand coordination, or they they are not really as confident as other classmates. How do you help kids through that? Um, I think I just like I once they're playing, I'm walking around. I'm kind of help people, help the kids that see I struggling, or they they need an extra boost, or something like a little one-on-one little coaching session. Like last week we did frisbee. Frisbee is a very hard, challenging sport to throw a frisbee straight. So I, I was kind of, I just walk up and down. I see someone struggling, say, hey, let's try this. Try and keep the frisbee, frisbee flat because that's going to be the best best um, chance of them catching is keeping it flat and throwing the right way. Awesome. So if you were to say um, for our parents who are at home and our family members at home and a kid comes home and says, oh, my God, I absolutely love my PE class. What can you do as a parent or as a family to be able to keep that kind of passion just ignited after school? Yeah, I think the most important thing is just going outside. Go go play whatever game we did or activity or skill and just get outside and just keep keep practicing it because that's how they're going to get better. And I mean, they, nothing wrong with being outside. It's another reason I chose being a PE teacher. Exactly. So I do want to put in a shameless plug. Um, we are going to begin in October um, offering elementary after-school sports through the Boys and Girls Club at every one of our 10 elementary campuses. You know, we're really proud of our middle school sports program, but we also want to give kids an opportunity to practice so when they do get up to middle school, they're, they're set and ready to go to play either soccer, volleyball, football, or basketball. So um, if you would sum up, what would you want your students to have as a takeaway after one year of being with Guru Shrock? I, th- I think just being excited about being outside, trying new things, learning new things. Like I said, this is a place where you come to try new things and learn it. So I think, I think that elementary sports is going to be awesome. We had that down at our private school. 
So I think just seeing that growth from, from fifth grade all the way up to eighth grade and then maybe even into high school is the earlier they start, I think the better, more skills and better there'll be. Well, I think that's a huge piece that's consistent with what we're trying to do with PBIS and what we're trying to do in general is we want kids to have a growth mindset and realize that if you're not good at something right now, yet, that if you practice and you're, you have grit and resilience and you really are passionate about it, that you can be good at it um, someday. Absolutely. I agree. Like the angels. Um, 2001. That's, <laughs> that's all I got. Um, so for all those angel fans, I apologize. Um, not for you being Angels fans, but for the commentary. Um, now we're going to go ahead and, and transition over to our STEM innovator, uh, Miss Watson. So, Miss um, Miss Watson, we're going to go ahead and go kind of down the same road of what we did with Guru Shrock. Is that could you just give us a little bit of a bio of, you know, who you are and what led you to this wonderful district of EWCSD? Yeah. So I was a middle school science teacher for almost a decade. Um, so I've been used to teaching older kiddos, so it's fun to be with the littles now. Um, I worked at the Discovery Cube Science Center as a educator, so I would go out to schools and provide them with after-school activities or do assemblies, and so that's kind of how I got used to teaching the littles, and I was like, you know what, I really enjoy this, and so I started looking for younger applications for STEM and my science credential, and I grew up right down the street in La Habra. I went to school right down Whittier Boulevard. I went to La Habra High School. So I was like, oh, Highlander. Hey, yes. yes there excellent. We go. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I was really familiar with the area and excited. I always, when I was teaching middle school, would dream of teaching at East Whittier because it's such a beautiful building that I'd drive by all the time. And I'd be like, oh, that's like a cool middle school. And so to be in the district is really exciting. Well, I don't want to give Lowell Joint any free press, but was it Lowell Joint that you were in? Yes, I went I to El Portal and Rancho Starbuck. Okay, I was a fellow Trojan over at Rancho Starbuck, but I was an Olita owl. Oh, okay. Okay, so we'll... So more on the Whittier side. More the more, actually, East Whittier. Oh, I, there you go. I found out. Um, so could you just give us an idea of what is your philosophy around teaching STEM? And, you know, for our listeners out there who might not even know what the acronym is, can you kind yes. of just elaborate on that a little bit? I've been so excited because that's how I started my classes is asking if students know what STEM stands for. And a lot of them do. I think they've been exposed to STEM over the years. Um, so STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. But I do like STEAM, which I know that you introduced to STEAM because that includes art, which is a huge part of designing and coming up with creative things. Um, basically, my strategy is to think of developmentally appropriate, right? My kindergartner students are not doing what the fifth graders are doing. They're totally different. So finding ways that we can find something that's developmentally appropriate so we can kind of bridge the gaps between what they've maybe been exposed to at home or in their regular education classes. Um, you know, some of them are oh yeah, I have an iPad at home and I use it all the time. I totally know how to turn it on. Whereas other kids are like, I've never touched an iPad. So finding kind of a balance between what they need. Um, and then as a science teacher, my philosophy is to include as much science outside of just robotics because we are focusing on robots this year because it's kind of a lot of kids' first time doing coding. But I love to talk about all kinds of science. I'm a big old nerd. And so being able to bring in their science standards, looking at, you know, what is third grade learning in science? What is fifth grade learning? How can we connect that to what we're doing with the robots is really important to me as well. So just to give our community a little bit of an insight, um, we spent over a year and a half looking at ways to build our STEM labs across the district. So right now, with the amazing work of our maintenance and operations team, as well as our instructional coaches, 
uh, Mr. Meyer and Dr. Mendoza, we did put together STEM labs across the district that have a very consistent, very similar look for the broad course of study team. So before I go on to what that could look like after school, can you just give the, the, the community just kind of a rundown of what those labs actually look like and how they function? Yeah, so they're really cool. And I do love that there is that consistency. Every school is getting the same experience. Um, our labs have brand new husky tables. The kids are always like, why has it got a husky on it? And I'm like, oh, it's just the brand, kids. Uh, got to give Hillview a little love. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the tables are really cool because not only are they on wheels, which means we can rearrange our setup all the time, move things out of the way if we don't need them, put them into different arrangements, but they are also adjustable. So for the littles, we can crank them to be lower to the ground, higher to the ground for the older kids. Um, we have what the kids love, uh, power cords from the ceilings, the extension cords. So if we need to charge something, we can pull those down. They're really good about not touching them. I was like, you're not Tarzan. You're not going to be swinging across the room with these extension cords. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's... That could be a good cross-collaboration with PE. Sure, there so. you go. We could have an obstacle course. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, so yeah, so they're totally brand new spaces, new cabinetry that we store all the robots in that have power going to them. Um, it's really cool. And you can see the kids are really excited to be in a new space. Some of them are spaces that they were in before and they're like, wow, like they changed this room so much. This room looks so cool. Um, so it's just a really cool opportunity to be in a, a brand new space, even for the kids that have been at the school, you know, maybe all six years as fifth graders are seeing it in a new way. So once again, another shameless plug real quick. So we did want to be able to make sure, like Miss Watson said, that all of the experiences at all 10 of the elementary schools were the same, but we are also looking for ways to kind of capitalize on the strengths and the passions of the other teachers that are there during the whole um, school year to be able to give them resources to make that space unique in a way for after school programs or when teachers bring them when BCOS is not on there. So that is the, the goal is to make it a multifunctional space, but to have the consistency so that we know regardless of which one of the 10 elementary schools, the experience that they have, whether it's in STEM, PE, art, or music is the same. So they have all of that same exposure. So you kind of touched on it, but I'm still going to go and ask you, how do you approach STEM from a kindergarten perspective all the way to a fifth grade perspective? Yeah. So we basically start out everyone is doing computer coding and, and that's something that's really fun to say is like you can go home and tell your adults you did programming today you did coding today regardless of your kindergartner or your fifth grader because we have three different levels of robots we have the bee bots which are adorable little bees that the kindergartners and first graders can program just by pressing buttons so if you want a bee to go forward you press the forward button you press the side button you press the back they can erase their code do new code. They can have their robot go all around the room just by pressing go one time. It's really cool to see them figure out like, okay, I don't have to just keep pressing go, go, go. I can program ahead of time. I can think forward and what do I want my robot to do? We also have Ozone. Those are really cool, but when I first had heard from our coaches that we were getting beatbox, oh, yes. I was so excited because when I was in elementary and middle school, not only did I walk around with my boombox and my cardboard you know, cutout so I could break dance and pop lock, I really was a, a really pretty amateur beatboxer. So these are still cool. Yes. They, they are cool. So then I'm sorry. I kind of go off tangent every once in a You're while. You're good. So, okay. Um, the other type of robot we have is an Ozobot, which uh, they work on following a track that the students will draw for them. So it's actually a really cool way to integrate art into STEM because they can draw a path and then their robot will follow it. So that's kind of the next progression of from that hands-on, just pressing buttons to now we're creating the path 
with our own art. And then finally, like the star of the show for all the grades is our dash robots, which are these adorable little blue circle robots that have a huge amount of features. They can talk, they can dance. So those are the blue and orange ones? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're super cool. They use an iPad. Students have to have the reading skills. So that's why we kind of wait as they gain those reading skills in kindergarten, first grade, moving into second, they're going to start using dash and there's like very little Dash can't do. Dash can throw things. Dash can pick things up. Dash can draw. Dash can, you know. Uh, today we actually used with our fourth and fifth graders, Dash did little mazes. So the kids had to program Dash how to go through a particular maze, get from one spot to another. And so that's kind of the progression of, you know, from a hands-on to a kind of hands-off we're using an iPad to talk to our robot as opposed to we're actually physically touching our robot, which is really cool for them to see that progression. But the fifth graders still love the Bebots. Like the fifth graders have been begging me, can I play with the Bebots? And I'm like, sure, those are for the little kids. But they just love any kind of robot, which is fun. Well, that's that's great. And, and the pictures that we see for PE and for STEM and for art and music for that matter, just the kids' level of engagement is just phenomenal. And that's really what our, the whole intent behind this was, was to figure out ways to bring enrichment, what would typically be enrichment opportunities into the core program. Mm -hmm so that it wasn't an optional, I have to stay after school to experience these types of things. So that's the power in all of this and and the eight of you who offered this amazing opportunity to our students. But I will ask you, um, what do you want kids to walk away from or the takeaway after being with you for a year? Yeah, you know, it's gonna sound weird, but empathy I think is my number one thing. I think sometimes students have an idea that technology and robots are kind of separate from humanity in a way, whereas I would like them to see it as an aid. So thinking about like with our fourth graders, they learn about earthquakes during fourth grade as part of their science standards. And so we're gonna think about how can we use Dash as a rescue robot? How could it help in a situation where we have you know people in need? So I really want them to see robots as a partner or as helping and also designing for what people need. So how can a robot help a certain group of people? How can we empathize with that group to design something or create something that's going to help them? Um, that's, I think, crucial because, you know, when we're doing design thinking, we're thinking about how do we create new things. You're not just creating the thing you want. You're thinking about who has a need that I can help with, who, who has something that I can solve with this technology. And so that's really big for me. And then attention to detail is something... Uh, Sometimes kids have a very short attention span, and so you get really excited about your robot and not paying attention maybe to the angle it's going to turn or you know how far forward it needs to move. And so really slowing down and giving that attention to detail of what exactly are we doing, what are we asking this robot to do, I think those are two things, empathy and, and attention to detail, that are skills beyond just I know how to code or I know how to you know, play with a robot. It's something they can take to every part of their life. Well, that's the huge part when we talk about the, the five C's that we focus on. I mean, right there is that whole idea of critical thinking and creativity combined to be able to figure out how you're going to solve a problem and then learn from it and continue to grow, just like the growth mindset of, I didn't work this time, but now I just need to reassess what we're doing and analyze it and then make some adjustments and figure it out. So I love that we're bringing that in there. But similar to what I asked uh, Mr. Schrock, what is it that parents could do? 
in order to help their kids continue to grow or explore or investigate on the STEM side when they come home. Yeah, so there's two apps I would recommend. So code.org is a website that has a ton of different coding opportunities. They're usually in the form of like games, which the kids really like. Um, so that can continue to practice their coding skills. Scratch Junior is a, an app that we actually use in class that the kids really like where they can create their own little like cartoons and it's through code so it's fun they get to create a character and a background but you're also using code to get the characters to move and talk to each other and then every kid asks if the robots that we use at school are available like you could buy them and technically yes they are available if parents wanted to have one at home for their kid to use they are more than you know welcome to do that they are a little expensive but uh they are something that kids could have at home to play with as well and kind of going along what, you know, Mr. Shrock said, just go outside, go play, go have fun, yeah. you know, do whatever you want to do, be physically active and whatnot. One of the things that when we were developing our STEM labs, were we going to call them STEM? Were we going to call them STEAM? Were we going to call them makerspaces? So one of the things that we have been talking about is it doesn't have to be a robot. It doesn't even have to be coding. It can just be grabbing whatever you can find around the house and engineering something, especially on the, on the, the engineering side of that of the house. So. Yeah, I would say something that we do with the fifth graders, but it's something that's applicable to all grade levels is the idea of giving them a problem to solve and come up with a never before seen solution. So what we did with fifth graders last week was uh, to design preschoolers need a way to brush their teeth that is magnetic. You have to come up with something that's never before seen. You can draw it. You can maybe make it out of like household items. But to give them that group they're designing for, the problem they're solving, and maybe some constraints. And that can turn into a fun competition. You can have multiple kids make their own design and then share what their designs are. You can make it into like a craft activity. Everyone's going to make their own design. But that like simple structure of who are you designing something for? What is the problem that they have? What are your constraints? That can turn into a whole afternoon of like imagining and designing and building and creating things. Okay. Well, um, as you know, we are trending on Apple. So I did want to be able to give you the opportunity. Is there anything, any last words you want to say to the millions and millions of followers from Inside EWCSD Podcast? I'm having an amazing time with all of the kiddos, and I really love my job. So, Mr. Schrock, is there anything you'd like to add? I think just getting out and move and just whatever we did at PE for the day, go home and practice some more. Teach your parents something because I'm sure they could learn something new from you. So that wraps up our introduction to our broad course of study team. Hopefully you learned a lot about our art, music, PE, and STEM program across the district. We are, as we um, wrap this up, excited that our extended learning opportunity program is going to be going on throughout October to the end of the year. We are excited once again to offer coding after school as well as continuing on with our dance program. So as Mr. Schrock said, just another opportunity to get out there and move and groove. So that brings us to the end of this edition of Inside EWCSD. There's still time to sign up for the Spooktacular, the 5K, which is also supported by our ELOP program. So Family, friends, staff, we are paying for those entries. If you are affiliated with EWCSD to be able to make sure that you're out there and moving and having fun in our community. Thank you for listening to Inside EWCSD and be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts for access to all of our episodes. Until then, we'll continue to open the door to every child's future here at EWCSD. We'll see you next time.